Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All you curious creatures out there, I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay, and welcome into The Portal, a place where we discuss all things lost, unexplained, and straight-up strange. Ancient lost history, cryptozoology, worldwide myths and legends are all things to expect when you dive into The Portal. Like the time we covered the strange case of giant humanoid swimmers in Siberia's Lake Baikal. Or the terrifying legend of the Braxton County monster who stalked the hills of West Virginia. Oh, and don't forget about the enduring mystery of Egypt's lost underworld. We dig it all, so join us every week for a brand new adventure into some of the world's lesser-known unexplained phenomena, cryptic creatures, and historical mysteries. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, at IntoThePortal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. So come join us. The only question is, will you peer into the portal? This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Today, we're going to spend a little time looking at alleged alien material. Some instances where people claim to possess items that are pieces of a flying saucer or other material that has an extraterrestrial origin. We're talking about this subject today because alien material has been a subject of renewed interest in the past year or so because to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, an organization we've mentioned repeatedly on this show, announced back in September 2018 that it acquired seven pieces of material that were purportedly from unidentified aerial phenomena. It was during that same announcement that TTSA revealed that a material sample in their possession was on loan to the company, a certain magnesium zinc bismuth sample. Well, in July of 2019, TTSA announced that it had formally acquired this particular sample. In the press release about the acquisition, TTSA Chief Operations Officer Steve Justice explained, quote, The structure and composition of these materials are not from any known existing military or commercial application, end quote. He went on to explain that the company is, quote, focusing on verifiable facts and working to develop independent scientific proof of the material's properties and attributes, end quote. He pointed out that, quote, in some cases, the manufacturing technology required to fabricate the material is only now becoming available, but the material has been in documented possession since the mid-1990s, end quote. The press release also stated that the company was actively seeking, uh, part, 
the company was actively seeking partnerships to help research this sample. And as we discussed a couple weeks ago, or a couple episodes ago, depending on when you listen to it, TTSA recently entered into an agreement with the U.S. Army, where the Army is making military labs available to TTSA to enhance TTSA's research capabilities. And TTSA will share new findings and other research with the Army that the Army can then use to develop enhancements for its ground vehicles. TTSA acquired this material of interest from former journalist and current UFO personality Linda Moulton Howe, who herself got the material from the late Art Bell, former host of the popular late-night radio show Coast to Coast AM. The story behind this material is that it allegedly comes from a military retrieval of a crashed UFO in 1947 near the White Sands Proving Ground, now the White Sands Missile Range, in New Mexico. Now, Howe has talked about this material for years. She asserts that she's been facilitating various testing for decades. And she's, of course, speaking about it again because of the recent transaction. MJ Benias recently published a story on Vice.com's tech section motherboard on November 14th. And in the article, he explains that Howe believes the material could become a, quote, lifting body with the right amount of electromagnetic static and certain RF frequency. Howe explains that TTSA conducted several tests on the material, but kept running into problems. Then later, Steve Justice actually contacted Howe, stating that the Army might be interested in the material. So we really haven't talked much on this show, particularly about this material um, or other metamaterials in TTSA's possession. So, Ryan, I know you've been following this story, too. So what are your thoughts about this acquisition, this $35,000 acquisition, purportedly? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that how, like, even in that article, stated how um, surprised TTSA was at that price that she gave them. Like, they were expecting something like, you know, 100000 maybe even upwards to like a million dollars for this this meta material and uh when she threw that out that funny, price yeah. they were like oh my god really yeah it's ours let's what let's a bargain yeah, yeah what a bargain on an alien material but um it, it's fascinating like you said the this material has been tested and tested and tested so many times now but there's like we all three of us know there's always more tests that can be done and uh the fact that the most expensive tests are the ones that haven't been done yet um i think it's pretty cool that the army wants to do that um it's interesting that it's the army that tsa is now working with you know they did so much headway with the navy in the past and now they're moving to another military branch so i think it's actually kind of exciting. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, there go, there they go. They're working with the army now. But, um, look, there's more to the, the military than just weaponizing things. Uh, will it go that way? Who knows? But, um, I think it's kind of cool. Not going to lie. And Maureen, I don't, I don't know about you, but you know, when I, when I hear these stories and, and particularly this one about, you know, people throwing out thousands of dollars or, you know, alleged UFO artifacts or things like that. It definitely gives me flashbacks to our time at Open Minds, uh. you know, where there were always people <laughs> trying to get us to buy things, always claiming to have, you know, pieces of flying saucers and, you know, all sorts of alien technology. And 
some of it, I guess we did buy and most of it we didn't. But Well, let's let's not say we bought it because we didn't really have a say in what was purchased and what was not. And I think in terms of uh, on the investment front, I would have advised strongly against purchasing some of the things that were purchased. Um, and I think I'm very curious how Linda came up with that 35,000 number. Yeah. <laughs> like how much value does this random piece of meta material, uh, how much is it worth? But well, she, she did say, I mean, I'll, I'll give her this. She said that she's been spending upwards of 600 to a thousand or $2,000 per year since 1996, when she acquired this from Art Bell. I think that's how she calculated studying, it. Yeah. yeah. On studying the, uh, the object. So she was just basically like, I'm going to get my, get my money back, uh, break even. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who's to say if, if this comes back, cause some of the testing has come back and it's been very, um, kind of like, ah, oh, well, it's nothing like really shocking yet has emerged. We think it might be able to float in this yeah. certain situation, but we're not sure yet. So what happens if we spend all this government money on top of all the money that TTSA is spending. And this turns out to be, you know, as some people believe, like discarded uh, material that was manufactured that kind of was was off, so to speak. Right. The leftover crap, the accident, accidental crap. Yeah. <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> processes. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think it's all pretty exciting to watch. You know, I'm a big fan of science lab testing and physical evidence. So I'm really happy to see TTSA getting access to more resources to conduct further analysis on this material that's received so much attention lately. That being said, I also can't help but notice some illogical elements to this entire situation. First, this material allegedly comes from a UFO recovered by the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. That would mean that the military already has this material, conceivably lots of this material, right, in its possession. So, and has since 1947, you know, if we're to believe the story. So it's interesting that the military wants it, this tiny piece, to do testing on it, even though they seemingly have had it since the 40s to test it and do whatever they're going to do. So anyway, (laughs) second, it seems odd that if what's really of interest with this material is its its, uh, alleged anti-gravity potential, why is the military only interested in using it for ground vehicle armor? And camouflage, too. Right. So an Army spokesperson told MJ Benias in his Motherboard article, quote, if a novel physical phenomenon is discovered or empirical data exists that points us in a certain direction with a given material sample, we will certainly apply the appropriate laboratory and appropriate stimulus to it to study the resultant phenomena and apply it to ground vehicle applications, end quote. This statement is consistent with Army comments provided in the press release about the research agreement between TTSA and the Army. So, Anyway, I'm 
it's that's kind of weird to me. <laughs> I mean, if the thing floats, I, I guess maybe they could be wanting their ground vehicles to float, right? Yeah. That'd be yeah. Have cool. you watched? So, have you watched the Jetsons? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Terminator. that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, think about if you had one of Tesla's Cyber Trucks that could like float too. <laughs> oh. That thing would be crazy on that. That would be Blade Runner. Yes, yeah, so totally apparently he still can't figure out bulletproof glass though. So I think he's got a ways to go. Well, maybe that's why they need this material. <laughs> Good you know? point. I'll figure it out. <laughs> so anyway, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the results of the testing are. But it's a really it's really interesting seeing this new public interest in alleged alien material. Like we already mentioned, this specific material has been out there for a while now. It's not new information. Linda's talked about it. Um, and it's testing for years and that, uh, it's own, I mean, alien materials is its own subgenre of the UFO topic, UFO, alien material. There've been countless claims over the years from people who allege they possess a piece of a UFO. So I guess we can talk about a couple of those right now. Um, first, because the TTSA piece is thought to have anti-gravity properties, it really reminds me of a piece of material that investigative reporter George Knapp has in his possession. An alleged UFO crash happened in Russia back in 1986. George Knapp traveled to the crash site in the 90s, and he was given pieces, multiple pieces of the material reportedly recovered from the crash site. Now, in 2012, when the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada, opened its Area 51 Myth or Reality exhibit, it featured a piece of this material donated by Knapp. And the information card accompanying the exhibit called it a, quote, authentic alien artifact, end quote. And the description, along with this material, stated, quote, three Soviet academic centers and 11 research institutes analyzed the objects from this UFO crash. The distance between atoms is different from ordinary iron. Radar cannot be reflected from the material. Elements in the material may disappear and new ones reappear after heating. One piece disappeared completely in front of four witnesses. The core of the material is composed of a substance with anti-gravitational properties, end quote. So, here again, this is a piece of material with some pretty incredible claims. Knapp has had these since the 1990s, and they were on public display in 2012. Now, Maureen, you and I covered the news about George providing this bizarre material to the museum back in 2012. And we were both pretty fascinated by the grand claims being made. So, why do you think there's seemingly so much more attention being given to Linda's material that TTSA is working on now. I mean, to me, George's material seems just as interesting, if not more interesting. Well, George's material is interesting because that case also fascinates me. Uh, yes. That's the, the height for one, one. Um, it goes by right. a couple names case. Um, <clears throat> personally, I think that, there's a new generation of people that have started getting interested in the field uh, based on Tom's musical um, sort of status mm -hmm. and uh, have dived into this now. And I think there's a lot of people that don't pay attention to, um, you know, 
off-centered articles in the, I know, I remember when that article came out, Lee Spiegel wrote about it on the Huffington Post, and there was big shockwaves about the title card that said authentic alien artifact. Um, but I think a lot of people weren't paying attention, and I think people are paying attention now. And so all these new people who are starting to get fascinated have no idea that these incredible other uh, artifacts have existed and have been public and have been talked about and publicized. So uh, it's I think it's a new era where we're just having so many new people coming into uh, the idea that there are unknown craft of unknown origin flying around in our uh, airspaces and, and pro- possibly interacting with us, whether that's military and or uh, something extraterrestrial, we do not know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's just based on time. And when that happened, it was probably 2000, I don't know, 10. When was that? George's on artifact on, on display. We heard about it prior to to the museum right. um, getting it on display. So, yeah, it probably would have been 2010. I know 2012 is when, when Lee published his story about it. Okay. And that's when yeah. the museum opened, too, and we went to see it. So I mean, that was a, that was a long time ago. So yeah. uh, seven years, a lot changes, especially in this field. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're seeing that. And for us, I think maybe there's a level of maybe annoyance or frustration that people – are acknowledging just this one thing that's been around forever that's been tested. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still cool and more testing needs to be done and let's see what happens. But because we were so involved and know about so many other pieces of material that have been going to labs that have come back anomalous, uh, that this one particular people like paying so much attention to it, maybe for us is is kind of dumbfounding a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, people are, are, are new to learning about this stuff. Right. And Ryan, I mean, talking about all the way back in 2012, you know, social media was a different thing back then. The social media landscape is completely different, mm-hmm. you know, so many years after that. Um, how much do you think, you know, the current social media landscape plays into that, to the, the, the current hype that we're seeing? Oh, it's huge. I mean, like Maureen said, the... There were articles written in very sort of peripheral, uh, you know, magazines, websites, all that sort of stuff, um, about these topics. But now when you have someone like Tom DeLong who has the resources to get stories like this, working with the army and even the, the Nimitz encounter, everything, um, out to the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, it, it really changes the landscape of how UFOs are handled in mainstream media. So I think it's interesting that we now live in an age where uh, this news about what to, what uh, to the stars is doing, uh, we can figure it out immediately. When back then, when Knapp was trying to, you know, brought this forward and wanted to get stuff analyzed and tested, it's not as easy to find the labs to get more people involved. So yeah, I think it's fascinating. And a lot of people, I mean, look at just, 
pen, secret Pentagon UFO program. The, the government was investigating UFOs. Like, that came to a shock to many people. But like you guys said, we're so used to this stuff that we are like, oh, well, yeah, they did that before, like 40, 50 years ago. Um, so I think it does have a lot to do with, uh, this information is new to a lot of newer people, younger people. And, uh, I think that's exciting that they can now sort of live that, uh, shock and awe that we might have had, uh, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Well, Brian, you mentioned, uh, you know, labs and testing. So we can move on to, um, other materials. So, of course, we have the interesting materials collected from the alleged debris field in Roswell, New Mexico, where a craft reportedly crashed back in 1947. And Ryan, you recently got personally involved with these materials. So why don't you tell us about them? Yeah. So this was right around the time when, uh, news sort of broke that Frank Kimbler, the, uh, the geologist in Roswell, um, had been doing digs for years out at what he presumed was the Roswell crash site. I mean, how he found the location alone is pretty amazing as well. But I did have the opportunity to go out to that site where he and his son had been digging and digging and digging for stuff. And they found metals out there, really interesting metals. And I did, I got to touch them. I got to hold them. I got to then get them tested at a aerospace lab in California. So it was pretty big and pretty heavy. You know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. It was for a TV project. So I thought, Oh, you know, it's all television. Um, uh, probably it's going to be something, you know, very mundane and we're going to make it really exciting. But what I appreciated about the lab that we worked with and the production crew was that they just did what they could do. And that was to get these tested at a metals lab. And when we got our results back, they were, they were sobering, but, um, they were also really interesting. I mean, Frank says to this day, the tests we had done, and I do agree with him on this, uh, were only a tiny fraction of what could be done. And some of the stuff we found was actually pretty intriguing. I, I, I have to admit that. We found that whatever was out in the middle of this desert definitely came from something that had to do with aerospace. I mean, it's almost unarguable. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
this point. Frank has had it retested. Um, we only had limited resources to do the tests we did, but I have been talking to him, uh, in the past few weeks now, and, um, it's pretty fascinating what he found out there. But again, this isn't making it out to the mainstream because Frank is just one guy in Roswell and he's not Tom DeLong. So, I don't know. I, I think whatever Frank has out there is still worth looking at for sure. I mean, personally, I think that Frank is celebrity status. I agree with he's you. Wonderful. Oh my God. I he's agree with you. So he's one Maureen, of the nicest you, people in the world. He we, is. We love Frank and Maureen, you've also been out to the Roswell debris field and you've seen Frank's material and heard him speak about the many times over the years. So what do you think about the stuff that he has? Well, I, I think that, you know, it, it's interesting because of, if you go out to the, the field and see what it is, I mean, you're in the desert in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's, uh, basically government owned farmland and, uh, it's desolate and you can see, um, sort of activity by a lot of different people who have come through looking for artifacts. Uh, so finding things there is neat and the fact that it's come from sort of an aerospace uh angle with the testing is intriguing um but i don't know again it's one of those things where it's at this point it's nothing until it's something and uh we kind of have to wait until more advanced testing can be done i mean i say this all the time because i kind of dealt with a different um, situation than Ryan when I was involved in a TV project and we tested metal that was, I mean, this is a much more far-fetched story, uh, was allegedly shot off of a UFO oh, and melted into a guy's driveway. And uh, it came back. We took it to, it had been tested in various labs. Uh, we took a sample to another lab, I was not involved with picking how this testing was going to be done. And of course, the people who tested it are lovely people. Let me say that first. We showed up to their lab, and the first thing I see is like a giant Star Trek, uh, um, uh, you know, memorial, <laughs> lots of toys and things. A and shrine. then I found, yeah, basically. And then I found out that they were in fact, involved in the UFO community. Legitimate scientists, Mm -hmm. however, there's that bias. And you hear me say this all the time, that I think it should be definitely any testing done in labs should be by, um, you know, third-party sources that have no idea what people think it might be and or are involved in the UFO community because there is a bias that definitely comes forward, I think, a little bit, um, even when the science is is there um the metal that we had had uh unnatural levels of one of strontium uh shoot you know what my brain my memory is so bad so these days. i can't remember <laughs> the, the what the number strontium it was uh so it was coming back unusual that it was not man-made mm-hmm. um and again Cool, but 
it could be a thousand things, but the uh, the level of testing required to be done on these pieces requires extensive funds and funds that, well, the army has. However, <laughs> most scenarios to test all these metals don't. So we're entering, I think, like Ryan said earlier, you know, this is an exciting thing because the money and the um, technology is now available to TTSA yeah. to have that level of testing done. Now, could there be conspiracy and cover-up? Of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's a new era. So, yes, there's all these metals and all this testing is being done. My opinion on all of it is uh, I'm still waiting for the, the ground-shocking news about one of these metal pieces. Yeah. Um, Maureen, you made a good point, too, like about the science. Like, sometimes it's not even what, like, a high amount of something in these alloys or these metals. It's what's not in it. And at least with us, like, it wasn't we, – we were looking for this one particular element, molybdenum, which Frank had other tests done that said there was a ridiculous amount of it in the metal and that should never happen on Earth. So we had that specific test done to look for that element. Now, we came up with a extremely different result and that was very, uh, you know – unfortunate like we were hoping that was going to be it but it's actually what we didn't find that was more intriguing and frank pointed this out to us that what we found or i should say what he found what we had tested uh had a huge amount of iron and whatever it came from like shouldn't have had that much iron and definitely was aerospace and was out in the middle of a desert where there's no life, nothing. So I think that's really interesting too. And another thing to bring up too is that, you know, TTSA in the army, you've got George Knapp in the atomic testing museum. And then with us, it was with Frank, the government, the Bureau of land management wanted to take his medals. So it seems to always go back to the military and government, these materials somehow, some way. Absolutely. Yeah. And do we trust that or not is the real question. Right. But they're the only ones who have the money to do it. So it is. It's a really it's weird, a nebulous circle. area. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the whole alien implant thing. So I don't really want to dive into that today. But briefly, there are several people who over the years have done research on mysterious objects removed from inside people. Dr. Roger Lear is someone who did extensive research in the field and he and his associates made some pretty big claims about some of these objects like emitting signals, moving once removed from the body and other incredible stuff. And some of his research indicated that some of these objects showed signs of being advanced nanotechnology. Um, Jeremy Corbell's film about Dr. Lear's work, Patient 17, is something that, you know, I would recommend people check out if you're interested in more on alleged alien implants. But uh, I guess briefly, Ryan, what are your thoughts on on uh, that sort of alleged alien material? I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I do speak to experiencers on almost a daily basis. Uh, I personally have never had any experience with seeing these implants that were taken out or touching them or being in proximity to them. I remember one experiencer said they had over 2,000 implants in them. Um, oh. I don't know if I 
tend to believe that. I, I saw no indication of that. But yet there are these stories where people had things removed and, you know, they went to get it and it would like literally almost like it was intelligent. It would go away from the, the surgeon or the right. people trying to get it. So it is fascinating um, and it's interesting, but nothing that I would really put my time or efforts into uh, at this point. But again, unless it was taken out and tests were done on it, the one person that we had that could do that is now gone. And that's unfortunate. There are others who are still doing implant removals. Um, Maureen, doesn't Daryl Sims also yes. do? Oh, Daryl yeah. Sims yeah. and Dr. Lear were uh, partners at first. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say there was a falling out, but I think there may have been to where they ended up going on their own paths. But yeah, Daryl has a lot of things that are alleged to be implants and or um, material of unknown origin as well. And Ryan, um, to your comment about having not having seen them, um, the ones I've seen, there's certainly not much to see, right? I mean, they're super tiny bodies yeah, and they're a like lot super of them, small they're like sometimes they're like grains of sand really exactly and you know again like in uh, a lot of them just look like calcified uh whatever blood or something sure. within the body so i mean again it, it it's in the eye of the beholder if this experiencer has a story that they were abducted by aliens and this implant comes out of course they're going to think it was put in there by the aliens but when you have someone who's never told a abduction story and they're still finding these weird things inside people, that's kind of interesting too. But yeah, mm-hmm. like like I said, it's it's such a murky territory when it comes to all the uh, the implant stuff for me personally. Well, and the implant mm-hmm. stuff is, is so much so <laughs> yeah. much more controversial too, right? I mean, this this is kind of weird, creepy territory. And Maureen, to your point, especially I think with the whole implant thing, what you said about, you know, making sure the science is good is is so important. Making sure the you know, people doing the removing and the people doing any sort of testing are not themselves affiliated with the UFO world, right? I, th- I think that sort of taints it and and causes people to sort of steer the evidence. Right. And and like I made that point, the people who were doing the testing were legitimate scientists and I'm not discrediting their science. They yeah. it's more of the fact that the association with the UFO phenomenon makes me feel like it is less credible to present to the public. That's yeah, even if we're th- there's the science behind there. Good point. Yeah. Right. The science can be, you know, completely good science, but yeah, that association taints it. Yeah. And you know, that with the, the implants too, like Ryan said, that's very, it's murky territory and I've seen some really weird things. And I've obviously, like Jason mentioned, patient 17 goes over a lot of detail and science behind, um, a specific implant removal, alleged implant, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it's, it's fascinating, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are very disturbed by this idea and, as Ryan mentioned, you know, he's talked to people who allege that they have 2000 implants. Um, and it's, it's a really big, I think it can be a big mental problem, health problem. Um, and when I say this, I'm saying 
that people are going to get so scared that they may have an alleged alien implant that they're going to try to get it out. And I've witnessed this before and it was somebody trying to like dig an implant out of their leg and it was really gross and disturbing. And I tried to stop it. Um, you know, so I guess my, my plea is (laughs) if you think that there is something going on like that, do not try to hurt yourself to remove an implant, go see somebody because it is not something someone should do on their own. And maybe it is a natural foreign object uh, that has gotten lodged in your 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 leg or where have you. Um, right. But I mean, it doesn't scary. matter what what you think, um, you know, put that there, what its origin is or what its actual origin may be. If that's the case, that some alien put it in you. That really doesn't matter. Doctors are still going to help you take that out. If you go and say, I've got something weird inside me please get this out. <laughs> Doctors are going to help you. Good point, Absolutely. Jason. And also, like, that goes with hypnotherapy, too. I mean, if you think you were abducted by aliens or you have a memory of something really weird happening and you need to, like, deal with it mentally and emotionally, don't go to an alien therapist. Go to a real, you know, certified therapist or psychoanalyst or hypnotherapist and have them do it. I, I feel like no matter if it's hypnotherapy or testing a metal or getting an implant removed like go where the science is not where the bias is i would say yeah so i we we all love material when it comes to this strange world of ufos it's exciting when you have something physical to analyze but as with anything else related to ufo research it's so important to remain objective avoiding any attempts to force results to fit your desired outcome. Now, TTSA's effort could conclude that the material they have is just a piece of junk. Would that be bad? No. An expensive piece of junk. <laughs> An expensive piece of junk. So it wouldn't be bad. It's, it's just a result of scientific testing. It would eliminate one item of interest, allowing them to move on to the next one. Now, if TTSA's test results in an incredible discovery, then that will be pretty exciting. As far as we're concerned, we're just spectators at someone else's show. We're happy to see a company with the necessary resources taking gambles on things like this, trying to unravel mysteries. It's a fun show to watch, regardless of the outcome. Well, that's where I'm going to end it, unless you guys have anything else to add. Nope, I I agree. I'm along for the ride. I can't wait to see what comes of this material. Maybe finally we'll get an answer that uh, Linda Howe's been looking for for almost three decades now. Yeah, seriously. But what well, what happens if if the army then does testing and it comes back super anomalous and they're like, oh sweet, we're going to be able to have floating cars and. Uh, do all this crazy stuff with this this metal on our ground vehicles and and then it's all black budget and we never hear the results. I mean, that's a concern. Oh, huge concern and a very big possibility, I think. So, again, it's hard because we know that To The Stars wants to look at UFOs, but at the end of the day, I keep coming back to the fact that DeLong is trying to paint a better picture of the military and people seem to keep forgetting that that that's kind of the end goal with all this is to find interesting technology to benefit humanity and 
also paint a better picture of the U.S. military. So I don't know, Maureen, that's a really good point. Even if it does get tested and it's anomalous, will we ever even know or find out? We'll probably be left in the dark. Yep. And again, I mean, that's another big thing, too, you know, being able to get to the application stage, right? Yeah. Because even if you find out the material is anomalous or may be extraterrestrial or has signs to indicate that it was manufactured not on this planet, that's interesting news. It's stuff that makes us scratch our heads or makes us go, wow, that's so rad. And we tell our friends and we discuss it and talk about the possibilities. But that's it, you know? Just because you found a piece of material that's weird doesn't mean all of a sudden that we can build flying saucers. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we also know that at the beginning, Tom DeLonge wanted to build a spaceship. So <laughs> maybe I mean, this is what way if, getting there. Yeah, yeah what, what, if, what if that actually happens where we, uh, in our lifetime, somehow a UFO, well, it wouldn't be a UFO, it'd just be a spacecraft, you're right, uh, that is... Yeah, that that is easy to and fast to get around the galaxy, or yep. not even the galaxy, the universe. Yeah, I mean, hey, I don't think planet, that I'll that's that crazy. Look at how far technology's no, come in the last ten years. That's a really uh, good point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Well, and especially it's, since if if what I said earlier about the military, if they did recover, you know, this crashed UFO back in 1947. Imagine what they, they, I mean, I assume it takes a long time to reverse engineer, but maybe they already have something cool. And now they just need an extra piece. One, one more extra piece (laughs) to make it, to make it super tough and have great armor. It's just missing the cup holder. It misses the cup holder. (laughs) A cup holder with a cup full of element 115. Exactly. That's what it, <laughs> the, actually the pilot has to drink the element 115 concoction in order to fly. Boom. The spacecraft. Humans can now fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Somewhere in the Skies. Jason, Maureen, thank you so much for joining me, guys. Uh, Jason, what are you up to these days, my man? And where can we find more of your stuff? Oh, I'm up to all sorts of strange things, um, doing some plotting and some scheming. And uh, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've finished the introduction of my next book. Hey, that's more than most of us authors can say. <laughs> so I'm happy yep, to hear that's that. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, you can follow along everything I'm doing. Twitter's the best place, at Acentric, also on Instagram. And, of course, RoguePlanet.tv. Awesome. Maureen, how about you? Been uh, traveling a worldly person lately. Yeah, I uh, just got back from a month and a half in Europe and uh, did a really long road trip around Scotland and tried to uh, see some of the most haunted and paranormal UFO locations in the world. I mean, there's Scotland's got a lot of old history there. Um, it was incredible. Other than that, I've been hiding under a rock. I've been avoiding social media and uh, um, kind of staying out of the news, in fact, too. I So I'm I would say I'm a little bit uninformed these days, but uh, catching catching up, I guess, would be what I'm up to now. Sometimes uninformed is better. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome, guys. Well, I got to thank you again for coming on. And to everyone out there, check us out on somewhereintheskies.com. And remember, 
Keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching. Somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the skies! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that heavy metal one's going in. Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.